and thanks for making the time to join us on today's webinar. We're going to be discussing the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman and your business with our very special guest, Mr. Bruce Bilson. Um, we've got half an hour, so I'll kick off with a bit of an introduction to Bruce. But before we do that, if you have any questions during the webinar for Bruce, um, please put them in the Q&A section um, that you'll see a button for below, and we'll try to answer as many of these as we can further on in the webinar. So for everyone's listening benefit and a bit of history, um, Anna first started working with Bruce on member issues like unfair contract terms when he was uh, the MP for Dunkley in Victoria. And he was then the shadow small business minister prior to the 2013 election. And the coalition's policies relating to small business at the time were probably some of its most well-developed prior to the election. And after the election, Bruce became the federal small business minister. And he was what I can really only describe as arguably the most passionate and energetic small business, business minister we have ever had. So um, thank you, Bruce. Um, Bruce and his team ushered in a number of important reforms, including unfair contract terms, competition reforms, red tape reduction, access to government contracts for SMEs, accelerated depreciation for small business assets, exemptions from fringe benefits tax for electronic equipment, such as laptops, tablets and smartphones, as well as tax cuts, training support for small business owners and a range of other important reforms. Bruce also announced um, during that time the decision to set up the Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office to provide a single entry point for SMEs seeking access to government assistance and dispute resolution. And after his time in politics, Bruce became the Executive Chair of the Franchise Council of Australia before taking over from Kate Carnell in his current position as the Ombudsman. So welcome, Bruce. It's quite a list, isn't it? Oh, Ben, great to be here with you. And I could add to it. I mean, we had instant asset write-offs, employee share scheme reforms. I'm just getting excited now. So uh, now good to be with you and the members, mate. No, well, thank you for making the time. We really appreciate it. Um, so I'll, I'll kick into the questions. And um, as you know, it's our third annual National News Agent Week this week. Um, we've been doing a bit of media um, during the week talking about news agents and uh, their place in, in many communities around Australia. And I was hoping you might have some experiences with your local news agent or lottery agent um, that you've had over the years in your community you could share with us. Yeah, well, I go back a fair way. I'd almost be a veteran. I was a returns boy in the local news agency in my community when I was uh, probably about 15. So, uh, you know, I've been at the, uh, at the pointy end of it with ink all over my hands and getting those unsold mags and that back to uh, the publishers. But they were great days and gave me a real insight into how everyone really counted on their, on their news agency. I mean, today I continue to get my newspaper subscription through the local news agency, uh, really value their help on a range of issues, including stationery, lotto, all that sort of stuff. And I love the personal care. So I've resisted the overtures of some of the newspapers to subscribe direct and I've stayed with my local news agency. No, that's terrific, Bruce. It's interesting, those stories. I was talking on 3AW this afternoon and we were talking about exactly that, people's memories of actually, you know, selling newspapers and, and I guess the role news agents continue to have in their communities of providing, you know, that level of social support and somewhere where they can come and have a chat about what's happening um, either in their community or in the, you know, the, um, the broader um, political realm. And um, we actually surveyed some members um, last week and, um, and while COVID and, um, and vaccines, of course, are um, 
top of the um, the ranks with topics to talk about. It's good to see that sport was still there at number three. So um, I think um, as soon as we uh, are able to open up completely again and get rid of uh, this this awful period with COVID, we'll be able to go back to normal and start talking about the footy. And Ben, let's not lose sight of some of the other great things, you know, with many uh, running licensed post office operations as well. I mean, the incredible banking service and payment opportunities that many are providing when uh, communities have been deserviced. It's often been the news agency that's been keeping those vital services going. It is another reason for people to come into the, the business and that's another chance to sell. So it, it's good, but, uh, you know, really been a part of that changing landscape as well. That's right. I mean, you know, the the, the members um, are continuing to change their businesses all the time to make sure that they they're offering something that's relevant to their local community. And there's some great stories about how they're going about that. So it's, um, it's, it's really good. So um, we might um, kick on then. So um, yeah, talking about those, those challenges for small business. I mean, obviously we've, we've um, had some members impacted more than others. We've got some lottery kiosks in Victoria, for instance, who have been closed multiple times now and they've had a really um, tough year. Um, I know when we've talked in the past about your personal history in small business before politics, you understand what it's like dealing with challenges that, you know, often they come your way and they're completely out of your control. And um, I know the members would be keen to hear what some of the biggest challenges you're seeing right now from small businesses who are contacting as BFIO, um for help and what suggestions do you have for addressing them? Yeah, no, good, good idea. I mean, and certainly in the... Uh... My own business experience, uh, you know, having owning some myself and some with uh, the bodacious Mrs. Bilson, um, you know, what a great contraceptive owning a business with your wife is, you know, the pillow talk of cash flow and paying the leases and staff and, you know, all those sorts of things. It sort of takes a little bit away from the whispering sweet nothings, but no, it's been great. But, and I've been able to bring that into my role previously as the minister and now in this role. Um, we are one of the key reasons why I set up this agency was really to solve disputes in a dignified way where there was an imbalance in power and resources that sometimes played out to the great disadvantage of the smaller business who may not have done anything wrong themselves. They just were getting pushed around because the bigger business thought they could. And that that often wasn't maintaining that adult to adult, you know, mutually respecting business arrangement and relationship. And above all, most businesses just want to get back to business. So one of the key things we do is deal with disputes as they arise, try and get in early, offer some support for people um, and the parties. And that can range anything from, you know, government regulation that people can't navigate with a big party's government. Uh, it can be, you know, payment times. We saw uh, in early stages of COVID, everyone protecting their cash. And that often meant smaller suppliers were being disadvantaged by bigger suppliers just sitting on their cash and blowing out the payment times. Um, you know, we've had some uh, real challenges in the franchising space where businesses haven't been able to function because of restrictions and franchisees in particular have felt um, that they've, you know, been having to pay franchise fees and, you know, as if everything was BAU business as usual and clearly it wasn't. But we've had franchisors as well come to us because we administer a number of industry codes where you see, you know, this power imbalance play out at times. And franchisors have come to us saying, look, we're not a big business either. 
but we're having trouble dealing with one of our franchisees and we nearly re need to resolve this issue. Some of the COVID stuff's been around tenancy disputes before the national arrangement came in. And even businesses like, you know, and you might not think about them, those folks that do the linen deliveries to hotels, they get paid by the unit. Now, if the hotels aren't functioning or, you know, or they're a COVID, you know, uh, quarantine hotel, the nature of that work can change dramatically, yet people are still expected to keep providing services. So that's the spread that we get. And the, the one that's been really standing out to me and for our assistance teams is just how it's impacted on people's emotional well-being. So we offer some help with resources on our website about checking in that you're okay, that you're you know in a good shape to make important decisions at a challenging time and even refer uh, small businesses through to a new access to small business owners, uh, mental health coaching program when it's all proving to be too much and people are feeling overwhelmed, they can't sleep. And in many cases, it's, it's impacting on their relationships. Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, anxiety um, has been a big issue in this last, you know, 18 to 24 month period. And um, it's terrific to see those services becoming available. I know it's something that we advocated for more resources for, and it's been, been terrific to see that happen. And um, you've probably answered um, some of my um, next question, but, and, and we might, if it's okay, come back to the, um, the franchising yeah, services sure. um, yep. again too, because I know our members would be really interested in that um, space. So um, are there any other sort of common assistance mechanisms that are available um, that you think our members should know about? Yeah, well, the big one I would say when I created this agency was to have it as a concierge service. Now I use that word because, you know, great concierges can solve a number of your problems themselves. But if they can't, they know who can, you know, and they've always got good avenues, good access. And so one of the things we look at, if someone calls our agency, the assistance team, we'll, we'll check out some of the information, a bit of a, you know, a bit of a pre, you know, uh, pre-analysis conversation. And it might turn out that it's a tenancy issue in New South Wales. Well, jurisdictionally, we can't intervene there. We would warm refer to Chris Lamont and the New South yeah. Wales Business Commissioner. It might be a, a finance issue and the member, uh, you know, your member is dealing with a registered finance company that's signed on to AFCA, the Australian Financial Complaints Authority's dispute mediation service. Well, we'd on refer there. Or it might be a, a, an equipment finance provider that doesn't want to deal with AFCA and therefore falls outside its reach. Well, it comes to us. So, so you know, it might be a telecommunications issue. We'll get it onto the telecommunication industry ombudsman and try and work out who's best place to bring a satisfactory level of service and assistance to your member that makes the call. We'll then, you know, if it's ours, we'll then work alongside um, the person that's called us. We'll reach out to the other party. Uh, often, you know, people are just crapped off with each other and they haven't had a conversation. Uh, you know, it might be all sorts of reasons why they're just not getting along and it might be a, a, the end of a long, a long term of issues. But we might just say, hey, there's a bit of an issue here about paying this bill on time. You know, what, what can we do to help? Oh, well, you know, if this person had invoiced us in a proper way. So, well, okay, well, maybe we can help you with that. But there seems to be no dispute that you owe this party money. How about we pay that money and then we can get alongside both of you and just work out what we can do to make sure the relationship is in as good a shape as it can be and, and that might involve mediation 
where we set up, you know, a, a skilled mediator to work between the parties, where the parties come up with a solution. Or Ben, at times, if people have got, you know, um, stuff on liver, uh, they might, might not be in the frame of mind to just sit there and come up with possible solutions. We might put a conciliator in who can work to steer uh, an agreed solution. So they're some of the tools that are available to us and where we use what's called ADR, alternative dispute resolution mechanisms, just to get the matter resolved, sorted in a fair way and get people back to business. Now that's terrific. And I was gonna ask you as, as well, because I know you work very closely with the other small business commissioners, but in some states there aren't small business commissioners like Tasmania, for instance. Um, and so I was wondering, um, you know, are, are you happy to have, you know, all the members come through through you or do you encourage them in the states that have a commissioner to go to them first or is there? Yeah. Look, either way works for us. We, we don't think there's a bad door. You know, if they come to us, we'll make sure the best fit, you know, the nearest, neatest correct entry uh, will be what we work with getting people referred to. If they're from Tasmania, we'll pick up the ball anyway. Um, yep. If it's a New South Wales dispute that crosses a border, it comes to us anyway. So, you know, we've got a pretty good arrangement with the state small business commissioners. Um, you know, at the moment, there's not a formal process in place in Queensland. So, you know, we probably get quite a lot of traffic out of Queensland. Northern Territory doesn't have one. Uh, the ACT doesn't and neither does Tasmania. So we pick up the slack there. At times we might get Marie Edsheed, who's, um, you know, the small business champion uh, looking to be- Now she's a commissioner now, Bruce. She is. <laughs> the commission is being uh, clarified. So she's a, a commissioner without quite the commission just yet. So that's being worked through. Uh, and we're working with Marie to give her all the support she can. Sometimes that means we pick up the ball. Other times she's got great channels into government agencies that even though this, the Queensland government is still working out the scope of her, of her responsibilities and powers, she can still be a great asset. So we work alongside her as well. Yeah, no, no, Marie's great. And um, I know Nicola, our, our GM in, in um, Queensland, has a fantastic relationship with Marie and she does a lot of great work with the members. And and we've been really strong advocates for commissioners across the country. And it's it's fantastic to see the way that you all work together, actually, to resolve um, issues for small businesses. It's terrific. Yeah, and, and Ben, sometimes, it, it, it you know, we've got some particular gigs that don't always involve small businesses. It's those code related matters. And we touched on franchising earlier, but when you think of horticulture, you know, where you've got behemoth supermarkets buying off, uh, you know, banana growers uh, a long way from market, you know, that, those relationships do have a, a, a risk that that power imbalance might play out to the producer not being treated well. Similar in the dairy industry, you know, a whole bunch of people producing milk I might have only one or two, uh, two if they're lucky, many one milk processor. And, you know, that, that sort of dependency and reliance can sometimes produce uh, ordinary outcomes. So we're involved there and also with the oil code. So we get involved in those areas where there's a, you know, a, 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 let's call it a power imbalance that's been recognised by government and codes have been put in place to help people, you know, stay nice in their dealings with each other. And when things get a wobble, then uh, we might get a call to come in and get involved. Oh, that's terrific. I mean, I think any of these 
enforcement agencies or the law broadly for business can be very confusing. And, and as you touched on earlier, having that sort of concierge approach where you can interpret that for a small business owner. And as we all know, you know, small business owners are terribly time poor. Um, and obviously they rely on their associations to assist them and, and having those um, external resources as well is terrific. And um, probably looking at that, another area that's been really important over um, you know, the last um, five years to a decade has been digital for small business. And many of our members are finding niches they can fill in their communities where they can have an online offer as well as their, um, their bricks and mortar offer. I'm just wondering if you've got any tips or suggestions on resources they can draw on to learn more and grow this aspect of their businesses. Yeah, look, it's really an important area because, you know, I think of digital not just in its channel to the market, you know, with an online e-commerce presence or other things. It's also the way you run your business. Yeah, so it can really generate efficiencies. And we've seen, you know, even with single touch payroll, how helpful that's been for many businesses to keep track on that. You know, the accounting software and the way in which invoicing, billing and, you know, getting your BAS organised and all that can really be accelerated um, with rostering as well. There's some great tools there and there's some good reg tech around that helps people make sure they don't land on the wrong side of our very, very complicated industrial relations system. So digital can take on many forms. So I'm a real champion for it. Um, and, and you're right, it's been the, the key to many businesses really keeping a pulse in their business over COVID, you know, finding those new digital channels, finding new models to run their business that's had, you know, good efficiency savings as well, um, but also opening up new opportunities. Um, you know, COVID's produced new problems. Businesses solve problems. And sometimes the digital approach is the way to go. And coming back to your earlier point, even the community appreciating that codependency between local small and family businesses and the vitality of their own community you've seen news agencies since you know be effectively you know pivoting a website to become a community notice board you've seen you know that that almost relationship marketing where the credentials of a news agency is at the heart of so many issues in a community has actually been amplified and we've seen this during bushfires and things like that have been a real, you know, it's almost like a bush telegraph on steroids. And you've seen, you know, news agencies driving that in some cases. But when we think about the online presence, um, you know, we've had a rapid escalation in consumers and our customers going online to find solutions. And that's helped some news agencies and other businesses open up the world of their offer. They've gone, oh, I didn't know they do that stuff. Oh, that's interesting. I can get specialist magazines. Well, I can, you know, they've really found a, a, something they weren't aware of, but they've also been able to sort of, um, you know, recast how helpful a news agent can be, and businesses can be for their customers. Now, a couple of things. We're not where the UK is on e-commerce, so there's still room to go. So if people are thinking, oh, we're kind of at peak, you know, e-commerce, that's not right. There's still room to go and there's still scope for, for further increases. So if you haven't quite got, you know, deep into your digital engagement, there's still an important opportunity to do so. And when, you know, we looked at some of that Myob research and, you know, what that revealed was SMEs with a deeper level of digital engagement are 50% more likely to be growing their revenue and 60% mm. more likely to grow their revenue per customer 
and that that's really given an enormous boost to the economy. And, and during the pandemic itself, you know, two in five who'd done investment, not over the top, but targeted deepening of their digital engagement, two in five are saying, you know, we run ourselves better, we're more productive. You know, a third said they were more profitable and 85% said, we're, we're going to keep embracing these digital tools to keep our business running. So, you know, there's really a good story there. There's good resources around the vendors like Grow With Google programs, quite interesting. Maybe check it out. Um, you know, there's ASPAS, the Australian Small Business Advisory Service. There's some great guidance on cybersecurity coming out of the Cybersecurity Centre. You know, some really simple things you can do to make sure you're in good shape. Because, you know, as a news agency with, you know, subscription lists and delivery lists, you got data to protect. You know, there's a responsibility Absolutely. that you and, you know, these are the sorts of things that digital has been really helpful in dealing with. Well, some really, really good points there, because, I mean, fundamentally, when we think about it, I think we're often drawn to, you know, setting up a full e-commerce um, suite uh, as a solution, but sometimes that's not what's necessary. It's really thinking about what problems can I solve in my community and how can I make sure that my business is accessible online and that I'm able to articulate what those, those solutions are that I'm trying to solve. And I think you touched on it as well, like during COVID, you know, with people working from home, learning from home, there's been a whole bunch of problems that need to be solved. And so I, I think, um, instead of putting in the, you know, it, it can be easy to put it in the too hard basket, but it's, sometimes it's just trying to simplify it. And I thought your other point too about, um, about those processes in your business, it's a really good one because we know that businesses are worth more if they've got really good systems in place. Um, and so I think it's always worth investigating where am I spending all my time in the business what tools are out there that that maybe can solve some of those problems and if i've got that in place when it comes time to sell um it's a much easier proposition for a new owner as well so it makes makes and it's got some marketing opportunities too you know you might your local chamber of commerce might find it difficult to engage with other businesses we know that a lot of businesses look to their news agents for supply of not only stationery and their information but you know, that's a relationship you can build on as well. And you can use your digital tools to leverage those relationships. And all of a sudden you're everywhere. You know, you, you seem to be an ally of others. They can look to you for support. And the other thing too, what's great about your industry association, Ben, you've got a, a living incubation network. There's people amongst your membership that are great pathfinders. Who can actually say, look, here, here's what's happened. And you know, that could be a good service you could provide. Here's the greatest digital, you know, uh, uptick that someone's done this month. Maybe it works for you because one of the things I've found, and it's probably people of my vintage, you know, we were around when, you know, certain telcos were selling biz in a box and you'd spend thousands on this biz in a box and it was supposed to digitize your business. Well, the tools were there, but someone needed to plug them into your business. That bit was missing. And the only thing you actually got done without having to do anything was your faxes, remember those, came through to your computer. And people are going, hang on, I think I've been stooged here. So there's a, there's a little bit of history there from some of the more mature people that, you know, maybe in the past their vendor experience hasn't been great. Time for a fresh look. Ask questions amongst your colleagues. Who amongst, you know, the, the, the Alna community has done some really interesting things. 
showcase it, pump it out and say, hey, I can do it. Maybe you can too. And that's a good way to learn from other people's experience and get not, not only the competence to do it, but the confidence because you've seen you know, up here be the pathfinder for you. No, it's a great suggestion. I think um, I think when our members learn from each other, it, it makes it a whole lot more real and, and easier to approach. So very good, good suggestion. Um, the next one I wanted to touch on is coming back to franchising. Um, obviously in our channel, there's some large franchises and um, I wanted to sort of dig a little bit deeper into the services that the Ombudsman's Office provides both, as you touched on before, for franchisees and franchisors. Um, and what are some of the common inquiries and, and if we could maybe go through some of those support services that yeah. they can draw on. And I might pick up on, uh, on the question that came through on the chat box. Um, we exist to take on the big fellas. You know, that, that, that's what we do. And, and, you know, whether it's Australia Post having a, uh, you know, a, a unilateral decision to stop delivering perishable goods, uh, we, we'll take that on. You know, and if it's a big multinationals that are doing the wrong thing with their small business suppliers or, or even in the digital space, and I should have spent a moment on this, um, you know, if you've got a, 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 a Facebook community that's part of your business and all of a sudden it's disconnected, and you can't talk to anybody, well, well, people get onto us. You know, if you've got a uh, an eBay uh, account or an Amazon uh, vendor's presence, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you're unilaterally disconnected from your own account, you get onto us. So we, so we will take those things on. We will raise those with some of the biggest digital companies in the world because there's a growing number of complaints that we get uh, relate to a digital service provider, you know, where you've just unilaterally lost service you've had you know uh, someone's terrorizing you around a review page uh you, you've had your account deactivated um someone sold a google ad that might be you know alna is ace and you're thinking hang on you're flogging an ad that's our business you know and, and so where do you go so we get involved in that sort of thing so for that person who asks yeah we we, we take on uh the biggest and the strongest and the most powerful. And that's why we're there. Let's go to franchise. Sometimes people think franchisors are all big and powerful. Uh, they're not. Uh, many of them are, but many of them are no bigger than the franchisees. So we, we, we come to that matter, not picking sides. We have a role to administer the dispute mediation provisions of the franchise code and try and basically, you know, that music that plays that beautiful relationship that's there at the start of a franchise uh, agreement. Well, we want to keep that going so that that, uh, that that moment of mutual respect and that symbiotic codependency uh, and, and looking out for each other's mutual interest is at the heart of that relationship. We do that in a number of ways. We provide resources about what questions you might want to ask if you're entering into a franchise, about the advice you might want to get. We collaborate with the ACCC because of the complaints we get or requests for assistance, we get great field evidence that lawmakers want to know about. They want to know who, who are they calling? What's going wrong? Is it an end of term issue? Is it a non-renewal? Is it a, a marketing fund dispute? Is there a change in business format that's not what you signed on to? We provide that intel and say, well, if the dispute can't be resolved internally, we get involved. And we get involved through that mediation, bringing the parties together, discussing what solutions might look like. We might push in a conciliator to help steer a solution. 
And under the recent changes to the franchising code, if the parties agree, if the parties agree, we can appoint an arbitrator. Okay. So, you know, if you get to the point where you just can't work it out or, or, or think of it, you know, um, I'm trying to think of a non-controversial one in your space. Um, let's say uh, uh, online lotto ticketing and what's the reasonable share of revenue that might go to... Uh, uh, that and, wouldn't be controversial at all, Bruce. I'm just leading with my chin there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, you're being asked to market a, a, a service that actually cuts your own throat. You know, that might turn into a rather difficult conversation and, and a dispute. Uh, it might get to the point where you get, you know, four-fifths of the issues sorted out by mediation, but there might be one matter left out where a technical expert might come in and say, well, you know, what, what, what's, what's, a, what's an economic cost to this? Let's get an expert in. Or it might be, okay, we've agreed we've done something wrong with our tenancy. You know, you're hitting me with $11,000 make good cost. Um, the franchisor is trying to foist that onto me. How, they've got the lease. Why is it coming my way? What's a reasonable share? You know, they, we might then appoint an arbitrator to calculate that amount. So we can do those different things under the code, but our job is to try and support good franchising and good franchising has mutually respectful, mutually supportive relationships. And if disputes start looking like they can't be worked out and or someone's gone from adult to adult to parent child in the role where we get involved. Now that's good to hear. I mean, and we know there are obviously mechanisms at a state level as well. And um, it's, it's always a big issue um, because it's very important to our members and that uh, I suppose getting that equitable balance around um, a, a franchisee's perception versus a franchisor, it's it's valuable to for them to be able to call on a service like yours if if it's needed. Yeah, and I guess the other thing too, Ben, and, and I, you've heard me this say this before. There's no point having a code that's not enforced. You know, it's a bit like the old Section 46 misuse of market power law that I led the reform of. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a hunting dog that won't leave the porch. <laughs> it's so it's what supposed to be doing. So yeah. with code, I mean, codes also require enforcement. They need to be taken seriously if they're going to, you know, influence uh, and contribute to good behaviour between the parties. So we can often source an example, <clears throat> might appear as a dispute, but we'll see it as a very clear breach. And we will then push that through to the commission saying, you really need to enforce this or this is the third one of these in a row, um, there's a systemic issue here. You might want to get involved sooner rather than later so people don't lose their shirts and their mojo and their houses over bad conduct that we're seeing the early signs of. So that's something we get involved with as well. No, that's excellent. I mean, ultimately, that's what we all want, isn't it? We want to be able to get on with running our, our small business and um, you know, um, make a living and hopefully make a good profit on top. So that's what it's all about. So the next question was, um, and you've touched on some of the um, powers, but the legislation for the Ombudsman's role has some really valuable powers around conducting inquiries. And um, obviously the office has already conducted some reviews on things like payment times, insurance, small business loans and others. And um, so I'm, I'm keen to pick your brain a little bit around um, that capacity and maybe some of the areas that you're um, considering for future inquiries. And I know um, obviously red tape and payment costs are 
uh, high on our members list of of, um, of issues, but I'm keen to, to um, get your thoughts on what you might be looking at. Yeah, look, a couple of things. I'll just pick up one of the questions that's come through the chat box. Um, yes, all of those services are free, except when we get to a mediation and the, the cost is split. So if it gets, if, if we can get involved with some, you know, uh, canvassing what a good outcome is and we can get the parties to agree, then that doesn't cost you anything. If it gets to the point where a mediation is required or being sought, and in some cases I can issue a notice sort of commanding a mediation, then those costs are split 50-50 between the parties. Although there are some cases, and you know, I'll use the example with, with AMP. We're working closely with them on you know, what's happening to the AMP business and those authorised uh, representatives that were part of their, their, their firm, their fraternity, I should say, who are now no longer. I mean, in those cases where there's some interest, we might even lean on the, the bigger party to say, well, you know, this doesn't look quite right, or, you know, we want to check under the hood whether you've, you know, you've gone about this in a fair and equitable way. Uh, and we'll, we'll sometimes convince the bigger party that they'll pay. But ordinarily, those mediations where we're bringing someone in from outside, uh, they will come uh, with a split cost. We do a tax concierge service, you know, yeah. talk about big parties. Um, you know, you get into a blue with a tax office, you sometimes feel like you're bringing a butter knife to a sword fight. Um, you know, and so we'll get involved in it. and initially we'll just say, hey, we've had a look at this. Um, we don't think you've quite got this right. Can you, can you maybe have another look at it? Uh, we've also trialed and it's now a permanent feature that you can get a fresh eyes review of an assessment from someone else in the tax office that hasn't been handling your case. And that was an initiative that we pursued. And, and if it, you know, occasionally I might make the odd call to the deputy commissioner saying, yeah, you might want to have a bit of look at this one. I don't think you quite landed this one. And it goes all the way through to a, you know, your members may be thinking about contesting, um, you know, a, a, a determination of uh, a, a tax liability. Uh, and they're thinking they might go to the administrative appeals tribunal. Our tax concierge service will help put them in touch um, with a tax legal professional who'll do a reality check on your prospects. Now, right. your, member, your member would pay a hundred bucks towards that. So there's a bit of skin in the game. Uh, we pick up the rest of that and they do a, you know, a review of your case and your prospects. And if you want to push it through to the AAT, uh, at some point down the, 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 the road, we'll fund another hour of that specialist tax legal advice to support the small business. So that's other things that we do. So sorry on that. No, well, thanks for touching on that because I, I did have a question prior to the, um, the webinar actually on that tax concierge service. So I'm glad that you, um, that you covered it. And, and so essentially, you know, basically it's, it, you're able to sort of hold their hand, I guess, if they get into a dispute with the tax office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, if we think the tax office has got it wrong, yep. and this has happened with JobKeeper, this has happened with Cashflow Boost, uh, this has even happened with some assessments, or, or even when it's got to a point where there's an activation of a garnishing notice or something like that, we'll go, hang on a minute, we, we, we don't think you've quite got that right. Hold your horses, have another look at it, you know, and we'll, we'll offer a little bit of counsel. Uh, sometimes they take it, sometimes they don't, but if it gets to, uh, you know, where, where a, a, a tax liability, a, a determination's been issued and you want to take it on, 
and it goes to the AAT. That's where we can get involved. 100 bucks from the taxpayer, skin in the game, and then we'll fund the rest for an hour's reality check and then support them through that next process, including lodgement, you know, what the AAT procedures look like, you know, where to get good advice and, you know, how to try and secure a, a good outcome. And, and just going back to the mediation services that you provide, what's an average cost for, for that sort of service? Well, or depending on how complicated it is, it might be, you know, four to 600 bucks. Yep. Um, you know, so for some of the things that we've got, you know, that might be a, a dispute over a couple of thousand dollars, we'll try and nudge an outcome uh, without going to mediation because it's just uneconomic. Yep. You know, but, but if someone owes you 10 grand and there's an issue there, well, that's a different story entirely. Uh, and then, you know, we'll provide a list uh, of qualified mediators and arbitrators that we've got confidence in and invite the parties to choose someone they're happy with. So away it goes. Terrific. And yep. just going back to my other question, I thought you yeah, might have been a good, a good politician and avoided the, the, the yeah, question. Well, the funny thing is, Ben, and you, <laughs> you touched on it earlier, I actually created the agency. So the legislation that I now operate under, never imagining I'd be in this role, yep. uh, you know, is my creation. So there are times when my office said, oh, some peanut thought this was a good idea when the legislation was formed. And well, that peanut would be me. One of the things that this peanut did was put in an inquiry power. So there's two ways that can be activated. One, the government or the minister can send an inquiry my way um, and, and ask us to have a look under the hood and come up with some solutions. This happened some years ago with the um, truck drivers remuneration and all that sort of stuff, using that as an example. The other part of it, and this was where the voice and advocacy of, of my office is important, we can start our own inquiry. And when we start our own inquiry, we've got information gathering powers and some tools available to us to really get in and look very closely at issues that are, that are really troubling people's lives. Now, we've looked at insurance, uh, why a lot of businesses were telling us and calls to us were saying, I can't get insurance, yet I'm obliged to have it to be able to trade. Uh, we got involved in the insolvency space about how that's not working. Access to finance was another one. Making the tax system work better for smaller businesses was where you know some of these um, tax concierge services came from. So they're the sorts of things that uh, that we look at. Um, you know, we even look at you know our reinsurance pool recommendations now. What's part of the Northern Australia Insurance Fund? So, but that's not the only one. So right now. We are conducting an inquiry looking at insurance in the amusement, leisure and active recreation area where just no one will touch them. <clears throat> yeah. You know, if you want to go and see a, an agricultural show and check out the whirly gigs flying around everywhere, well, unless we can solve this problem, uh, there won't be any opportunity for that because there'll be no insurance. Uh, so we're looking at something called a discretionary mutual fund which kind of functions a little bit like insurance, but isn't actually insurance to see whether that might fill what is a market dysfunction uh, and, and uh, market failure right now. So, you know, that's, that's the sort of stuff that we do. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to convince the government to have a look at this digital area because there's bits of work going on all over the place. Uh, that small business restructuring turnaround sort of initiative to support businesses that might be in temporary trouble. We, we think there's some ways of improving that. 
We've been pushing hard on lease cost routing, trying to get you know some interest on that. You know, and even the regulation piece, we're we're not sure in all cases um, the RIS process is actually working well for smaller businesses. You know, you come up with a regulatory imposition that might work great for a behemoth. Mm. A small business isn't a shrink wrap version of a big one. You know, what you're asking of a smaller business might be quite disproportionate and quite excessive compared to the risk. And you know, yeah, we're just this, trying to this, elevate that as an idea that needs a little more air in it. It's a common perception of government that small businesses are little big businesses, but they're the complete opposite. And um, we certainly think that those um, powers that were in that act are really valuable because being able to really look under the hood and you know understand yeah. the nuts and bolts of what's going on is really important. And um, we really appreciate your advocacy in the least cost routing area recently, and um, we'll certainly be you know, coming to you with some ideas on some things that right. we, we think you can have a look at in due course. So, um, and you know, you'll shortly be in, and, and to your members, this is where Ben's role is really critical. Um, you want to think out loud, well, think out loud with Ben and through Ben to us, whereas, you know, we are constantly being asked because of the way I've created the role, you know, departments don't consult well with small business. So they come to us and say, look, we're not sure who we need to talk to here. Okay, well, I know you've got the big end of town covered and that's easy for you, but here's a lot of smaller businesses. They're going to live with the rules that you come up with. You need to talk with them. Here's the people to talk to. Here's the contact points. And we play that role as well, as well as giving field evidence. You know, like I just had a, I was on a call earlier today with Treasury just saying, you know, how's the COVID assistance landing? What are you hearing? You know, what's, what's the next phase look like? And I said, well, you know, it's not easy just to restart a business that's being, you know, put in, in, oh. in, yeah, costs money. And so, you know, just when the COVID restrictions are over, I, I think it would be misguided to think the need for support ends there and then, you know, there's work still to be done. And, and for oh. some businesses, they're impaired in their recovery as well, just by lack of information, can't organise events, all these sorts of things. So we couldn't agree more. I mean, I think, I think that we're really not going to understand the toll until well after the reopening, you know, with, deferred rents and a whole range of other costs that are going to come down the line and, and more debt that businesses have had to take on. I think they're going to need a lot of support over the next 12, and, 24 months. And let's pick that one. I mean, I, for instance, let's look at the rents issue. I mean, I, you would have seen me and I'm not banging people's heads about it yet because it's, it's, it's something I'm just trying to get people thinking about. Just doing more of the same with the relief arrangements under the national code they kind of work for a while, but mm. if you keep deferring, 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 you're just putting more and more cost and debt into the saddlebag when you go to reopen. And you might end up being so weighed down by what you've deferred and what's been, you know, what's been, you know, the relief you've had that you can hardly get out of it. The other thing too, for some of your members, you know, if they were, you know, in a, a neat little kiosk, um, you know, in, in, in Flinders Street Station, uh, expecting this massive humanity to walk past them every day, that's not going to be the case on the other side. And, and so all of a sudden that, you know, ballistically expensive rent they pay for the privilege of the foot traffic is now a fiction because that foot traffic's just not there. No, and and CBDs have been the same, you know, right. CBDs and transport right. hubs are so terrible. What's yeah. the adjustment look like where something, you know, you're paying 5,000 bucks a week for your rent Someone next door goes bust, 
the te- the, the landlord realizes they can't get anybody at five thousand dollars a week. They rented it. $1,500 a week, which reflects a, a new market position. How are you going to compete with that? What's the adjustment processes, the market changes to deal with these new realities where tenancy costs were based on, you know, huge foot traffic that just ain't there? Mm. And how do you get that, I suppose, sensible reevaluation to occur in in a time frame that you can actually help those businesses yeah. as opposed to driving them out of business. And you, know. and you and I both know, you know, for many commercial properties, you know, the loan to valuation ratio is based on a, a, a rent. Now, if the rent's a fiction, but you're still claiming it's worth 5,000 bucks a week, you take that to the bank and it'll finance it. If you went to them and said it's 1,500 bucks a week, they go, hang on a minute, that's now not a bankable proposition. So there's that issue too that you know it'll it'll adjust when you mark to market the value of some of these properties and we've still got that ahead of us. Yeah, no, well look, let's definitely work on that that together. I know we're we're quite over time and I really appreciate your generosity with your time to to talk to us today. Um, it's been terrific. I hope you'll do it again with us sometime to dig into a few of these issues. Um, again with the members, particularly as we reopen and as we come out, I think there's going to be a range of issues that pop up that are going to be really interesting to talk about. So thank you again. And to everyone who joined us today, thank you for your time and please stay safe, especially everybody in New South Wales and ACT and Vic right now um, and anywhere else that we've got a few regional areas that are still suffering issues. So really appreciate your time and uh, we'll talk soon. Great, Great to see you. Great to be with you, colleagues. Take care.